Grants and Tax Incentives for Sustainability and Innovation. This interview with Millicent Freerly from Blue Rock was recorded as part of the Grow With Purpose event. So Millicent Brearley is a senior R&D consultant and grants and incentive specialist with Blue Rock Accounting, not to be confused with Black Rock that we heard about from Simon yesterday, um, but not, not too different either. They, they have similar values, I would say. She has eight years of experience specializing in research and development tax and export market development grants across Australia and North America. She has an eagle eye for working with businesses to identify whether any past, present or future activities might be eligible for grant funding and assist them with determining eligibility, writing applications, identifying costs and managing the process with regulators. So if anyone was on the call this morning with Nick um, from Sustainability Victoria, this is the perfect uh, follow on from that because it was quite an overwhelming space around the grants and eligibility and um, like you really do need someone on your team who is really across this space. So uh, Millie is, is one fabulous person to talk to. So welcome Millie. Thank you so much Sarah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so can you tell us first a bit about how you work with small businesses who are working toward being sustainable? Yeah absolutely. So I guess a lot of the businesses that I work with that are looking to be sustainable, we're looking at grants and funding around sustainable innovations because essentially innovation and then sustainability and how we become better at that is uh, a lot of the focus at the moment. Um, so how do I work with companies? Basically, I look at what do they do in their business? What is something that they are looking to do, such as future projects? And then uh, basically what we do is we look into the grant sphere, what's available, what's coming up, and where do they fit within that? So the, the existing schemes, uh, does their, um, their current... So when we say, Sarah, you mentioned previous functions that they've done, that's where we might be looking at the research and development innovation scheme because that is obviously you've got to spend the money to then get the money, and it's a year-on-year application process. Uh, other types of grant funding, it is forward looking. It is what is a project you are looking at doing, doesn't meet the objectives of the governing body, uh, and you put in your application and hopefully get awarded the funding. So basically, we look at what's available, how does that match up with what our businesses are doing, uh, and then help them with that application process. So that might be from um, project planning, budgeting, uh, or assisting with, obviously, because it's the company that needs to spend the money. So we're not telling them where they should be spending their money, but we certainly help with putting together those project plans and budgets. And then obviously um, making sure that the application, you know, hard hits all those um, major objectives and criteria that they need to meet. Uh, I might start talking about it a little bit later as well, but um, so there are, there are two different sort of types of grants. There's the incentives which are basically an entitlement. So if you meet the criteria, you are entitled to that money, provided that you've spent in the eligible cost categories, as opposed to competitive funding grants, where even if you meet the criteria, if you aren't as competitive as the next um, a company that's applying for the grant, you may miss out. So it's making sure that we put your best foot forward if you are eligible and entitled to um, putting together an application, um, making sure basically that, yeah, your best foot is put forward to hopefully get you over the line in those competitive spheres. 
Yeah, like having like doing an interview or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't want to. Yeah, exactly. You just don't want to fumble over your words. Make sure that it's precise, hitting that they can see that yes, you are adhering to what they want to be funding, um, and yeah, hopefully getting you over the line that way. Yeah, awesome. So, okay, so so I'm hearing that there's um, there's the grants, they're including both competitive and incentives, and then there's kind of the tax um, incentives that are often backward looking, I guess. So let's explore each of those. Um, what is the R&D tax rebate then? And can you give me an example of how a small or medium business that you've worked with has accessed that for sustainability type innovations? Yeah, sure. So um, the R&D tax incentive, obviously that's sort of the bread and butter of the grants industry because it is such a popular one. It covers uh, a lot of different industries. Uh, basically, as long as you are innovating within your industry and developing on the current body of knowledge, that's sort of the, the criteria that you need to meet to be um, developing an innovative um, product process or service. Uh, so essentially, um, the rules around that are developing on the current um, body of knowledge within the industry. And that basically means in the public sphere. So if you can Google it, that's not innovation. But if, you know, it might be um, with, you know, private information or um, copyright within a company and you don't know how they develop that thing, you can just be looking at how do we match up our competitors but develop that knowledge in-house where it's not publicly available. Um, so obviously it's on the global sphere but also in terms of what is the public body of knowledge that's available to sort of reach that um, innovation, new, new knowledge aspect of the grant. Uh, then there's also whether um, a competent professional in the industry knows how to get from A to B. So if you say to your manufacturer, we're going to make this brand new product and they say, yeah, cool, I'll press button B and it'll happen. Well, that's not exactly new no development of new knowledge or a level of um, technical risk. So essentially we're looking at if there needs to be a, a systematic level of experimentation that needs to be undertaken, developing that hypothesis. I'm using a bit of scientific speak here that may not apply to all industries, but essentially we're looking at are you developing a hypothesis and testing that out to see if you achieve what your objective. Um, so that's sort of around the eligibility piece of the project. Then we're looking at the eligible costing categories. So are you spending money on, you know, salaries and wages, the cost of materials, um, um, any contractors that you're bringing in, uh, and then obviously there's the overheads as well. So depending how much you spend like on salaries and wages, we can sort of work out what is the cost that you're then spending on rent, electricity and overhead. So there's that overhead piece as well. Uh, but essentially what the R&D, that's sort of the eligibility criteria around the project and the costs and what you essentially get in the R&D tax incentive grant that I think will apply mostly for the people on the call today might be sitting under that 20 million um, aggregated turnover bracket is 43 and a half cents to every dollar you spend on your developing your R&D project is basically the benefit you get back. So the way it works as a tax incentive is if you are tax payable, it reduces your tax to zero and the rest is handed out in cash if you are in that refundable category, which is the $20 million piece. Um, if you're over $20 million, it is 38.5%. Um, and it is non-refundable. So it reduces your taxes and then it's just carry forward losses if you if um, 
your tax payable doesn't max out the size of your R&D grant. Something that it is worth mentioning is that I'm not sure if everyone on the call today may have heard that probably for the better half of the last year, if not two, um, the government was looking at cutting the funding by $1.8 billion to the R&D incentive. There was a lot of uproar around that because obviously we want Australian companies to be innovative because it puts us at the forefront of, um, you know, global innovations as well as creating jobs within the country. Uh, and there was a lot of uproar about that. However, I don't want to I don't want to say thank you, COVID, but sort of there's a silver lining there in that I think they fixed up their priorities and they've now actually put in an extra $2 billion of funding into the R&D tax incentive. And there are a few changes coming forward from 1 July 2021 onwards. So people who are applying for this April lodgement and October lodgement period, um, it's the existing 43.5% or 38.5% benefits, as I've just explained. Um, not to want to drown anyone in information, but just a bit of a heads up that going forward, uh, not much changes for the under $20 million category. It becomes an 18.5% benefit on top of your company tax rate. So knowing that the company tax rates are gradually dropping down to 25% for those small and medium businesses, it ends up being the same, 43.5%. For those businesses that have higher than $20 million turnover, it will become an intensity threshold and you'll fall into two categories based on your innovation spending. It's an intensity threshold and it'll end up being 8.5% or 16.5% on top of your company tax rate that you get back. So just I'm probably boring you with numbers, but just a heads up that it will be changing from July this year going forward. Um, but yeah, quick thing to mention that for those companies with a junior end, your April R&D applications, um, oh, sorry, your June 2020 year-end clients, your applications are due on the 30th of April. So if you're in that space, if you think you've been innovating or if you already um, are an R&D tax incentive uh, client, just remember that deadline. That's the next one coming up. Fair, that, that's a good reminder. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to me that the federal government ever was going to take that away. That's I know. <laughs> such an important thing to be investing in within Australia but exactly who knows um, oh sorry Sarah did you want me to mention um an example of some of my clients yeah, yeah. yeah so I get a bit carried away in the detail sometimes um just quick example of clients that I have in the sustainability space um you know we've got the the big obvious ones that are basically turning our rubbish into reusable materials uh at, for example uh, industrial waste, industrial glass waste being turned into sand that is used for road fill or industrial sludge that is then being used for capping, capping on roads. Uh, and then we have examples in the IT space that you may not immediately think is in the sustainability space, but um, we do are aware of companies that are basically reducing wastage in the supermarket chain from, you know, farm to supermarket chain by developing um, AI coding that can determine for the supermarket how much of a product they need to buy. So, for example, Christmas puddings during Christmas time so that they don't over-request um, Christmas puddings and we've got all this wastage, it will be able to calculate what is that um, 
uh, basically what is the demand likely to be so that they can have less wastage. Obviously, Christmas puddings can last forever, but in the in the fruit and veggie space, that's quite important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's um, recycling paper as well. So obviously we already do have recycling, recycled paper in, um, out there in the world, but you can make it better. Companies are looking at basically making a better product so that more people get on board the recycled paper and toilet paper kind of bandwagon. Yes. So, <laughs> and that's such an important thing to remember. I guess a lot of um, people who are looking to create a new product are like, oh, that's already been done. That's already been done. There's nothing that hasn't been invented, but it's about yeah. inventing a better version. And, and that's been, I guess, a difficult space for a lot of people thinking, oh, green products are poor quality because the first yeah. ones that came out perhaps were a little bit lesser quality, but that's the point is continuing to bring out improved version, improved version. And then all of a sudden, that's the only thing anyone's using anymore because it's better than the older traditional product was in the first place. So Yeah, exactly. And that's why we want these innovation grants to stay around. Absolutely. <laughs> also for, you know, your job. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that brings us well onto that early stage innovation um, side of things as well. So um, what's that all about and how can that benefit any small businesses um, who want to come up with a new innovation. Yep, absolutely. So um, what you're referring to there is the, an early stage innovation company and essentially to be identified as an ESIC, as we call it, um, the benefit to you is that you become attractive to your investors. So if you are looking for capital investment, uh, it can be a way to incentivize investment from the community as well as maybe even give them a bit of an elbow like come on you're going to get a kickback a kickback give me a bit more and what I mean by that is that the um, incentive that the investors get for investing in an early stage innovation company is um, they get a 20% tax offset for what they invest uh, capped at 200k they get no capital gains tax on their capital gains on the shares for the first 10 years. And then those shares are valued at market value cost base from year 10 onwards. So a bit of a tax incentive there to get some innovators over the, sorry, some um, invest, investors over the line into your company. But what makes you an eligible um, innovation company? Firstly, you need to pass a few different tests. So there's the early stage test where we're looking at have you been incorporated within six years? Are your total expenses less than a million? Is your assessable income less than 200,000? Are you already listed on the stock exchange? Hopefully not. Um, and if you pass all of that, we're then looking at a two-pronged innovation test. One is, uh, it's called the 100-point innovation test. Uh, and then the other one is the principle-based innovation test. So first we look at the 100-point test, which is essentially, are you very much an innovation company. Are you claiming the R&D tax incentive? Are you claiming the accelerating commercialization grant? Something that I think will come up a bit later. Um, and that do you have enforceable rights on the IP? If that's a little bit too strict, there is then the second prong that we can look at, which is, 
are you objectively are you genuinely focused on innovation do are you a company that has a high growth potential are you ready to scale do you have something that gives you a competitive advantage in the market so what do we as grant advisors do for those companies we sometimes have the um the asset or small businesses come to us and they want us to assess whether they uh, can be classified as an ESIC so that they can take that to market, show their investors, uh, which incentivizes getting um, the uh, investment. Or sometimes we have investors come to us and say, look, I'm really interested in this company hits all my value, value add initiatives that I'm looking at. I want to invest in them, but can you let me know? Am I entitled to a kickback? If I do, can you assess them if they're an ESSEC? So basically that's pulling together. So, you know, assessing you based on the criteria I just said, and basically putting in a letter of recommendation of are you or aren't you an ESSEC that you can have on hand um, to take to investors or for um, investors to feel confident that they will be entitled to these tax offsets. Yeah, great. Okay, so once again, I guess this, um, there's a lot of eligibility stuff tied up in that. So um, I know that you'll give us a bit of a link toward the end of a bit of an assessment for people to figure out what they are eligible for. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so, okay, now moving on to that grants space, which I know is enormous. There's so many different levels of what's going on. Um, but first, just looking at how to apply for all of the grants that are out there, what is generally involved in doing a grant application? Uh, yep. So, yeah, I guess there is a bit of a framework to follow in general for these, um, the grants that um, are competitive mostly, unless they're those year-on-year -year ones. Typically, they will be competitive funding because, um the federal government will announce the budget. They'll announce their key priority areas. Priority areas are sort of at, at the moment, there is a big focus on rural, agribusiness, job creation. Um, and then within that, there's some priority sectors, which are, you know, space, defence, medical. And then what's relevant on this call today is uh, definitely the sustainability and recycling type space as well. Um, so... Basically, once the government funding is announced, it then gets allocated to different governing bodies who then can use the money in a way to fund within those different sectors. So um, it's always good to keep a finger on the pulse as to what's available, looking into those keywords, uh, depending on what your industry is. Is it recycling? Is it materials? Is it manufacturing and whatnot? Uh, and keeping an eye out for all the grants that are coming up. Uh, a lot of the time, the grants are multi-year but they'll have different funding rounds. So um, a couple of the grants I'll talk about later may have rounds that have just closed, but they're actually ongoing until 2023 or 2024. Um, so don't think that you've missed out. However, in talking about that, a lot of these grants fund future projects. So where the R&D is, what have you done? Have you spent the money in order to get the money? And I know I haven't touched on it too much, but that's just, just in case anyone on the line is an exporter export market development grant as well, spend the money to then get the money. Um, in the wider grant space, it's often we want to fund future projects to help us reach our objectives. So if you have a project that's coming up, 
you need to look into whether or not there's grants in the industry. Get a grant advisor like myself involved to see what's available out there before you start the project. Because once you already start spending money, that money is no longer eligible uh, as part of the eligible expenditure within your grant. So that's just a bit of a hot tip there is to look into the grant space before you start a project. Um, uh, oh, yes. And then I guess the other thing is, is to really make sure, I think I mentioned it at the start, but be really precise as to what the objectives of that governing body are. What are the objectives of the program? Because to be competitive, firstly, you need to hit, you want to hit more than less of the um, main objectives of the program. Obviously, that makes you more competitive than the next person that may only be working on a project that hits one of the criteria. Um, and then it's also good to be organised in terms of having your budgets and your um, project plans ready to go. So I know that sometimes we deal with clients that are a bit like, oh, well, but if I don't get the money, it's not going to happen. So I don't have any quotes. You know, you know, we may not end up doing it. Obviously, there's there's value for money, which is um, do you have the money to fund the project that um, isn't being funded by the grant? But also if you're not prepared enough and you don't appear to be ready to go once that grant funding agreement has been signed, well, are, you know, are they, I don't want to use this wording, but like flogging a dead horse, giving money to something that's going to fall on its head and then they haven't reached their objective. So it is good to know where you're going, have a clear vision, meet all those objectives criteria, be ready with your budgets, get quotes, um, and essentially be ready to hit the ground running should you be successful. Uh, I guess another point to mention there is that typically grants don't fund whole projects. Uh, a lot of the time it's dollar for dollar or matched funding is the terminology that they use, but sometimes it's less. Sometimes it might only be 25% that they fund or sometimes there might be a cap on funding for capital-based works, for example. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention um, is to be competitive. Um, basically, it's about that value add. So just something to point out. For example, if you're asking for a million dollars and you're creating three jobs versus a company that might be asking for 50 grand who's creating a thousand jobs, there's also that value for money element that they will look at. So a million dollars in one company, whereas another company is only asking for 50 grand, there's so much more if they invest in that 50 grand company to go elsewhere that, that gives the government better reach within the grant sphere for the, covering more applicants, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, so just a few pointers in there of what you need to be looking out for uh, and sort of uh, I guess in there is um, the different ways of, you know, what are they mainly looking at in that rural agri um, job creation sort of space as well as the priority sectors that I've mentioned a few times uh, and then making sure that you are able to cover your um, part of the cost before applying for a grant. Yeah. And so it sounds like um, a lot, there's a lot of planning to be done before applying for a grant to make sure that it's as good as possible. Yes. So that's really a big value in getting someone like yourself involved so that you can have the best chance of actually then getting the money because you don't want to go through all that process and you know invest in having done all of that planning to then not go ahead so you want yeah. to give yourself the best chance I guess yeah exactly the best chance is to be ready 
be prepared, have all your supporting documents, make sure you've hit all those points. Whereas if you do a half-assed job, so to say, you know, you're at risk of wasting time putting in an application in the first place. So, yeah. yeah. And so, okay, looking at the, the grants that are out there, you, you mentioned earlier about how the federal government had a particular focus um, in the budget that came out late last year on um, clean energy and recycling. So can you tell me a little bit of where that money is going and what that means for businesses who might want to um, yeah, access clean energy and, and recycling and waste kind of funds? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so few things coming out of the budget is obviously a big push towards solar energy, recycling and manufacturing. Uh, and also within the, not only in those areas, but also for um, industries within the space, medical, defence, um, food um, se sectors, so to speak, priority areas. Uh, and then, so I've sort of um, set out a few key grants that are here just to sort of get the juices flowing as to what's currently available um, for the listeners here today to sort of be like, oh, that one might be more, more tailored towards my business than another one. So I won't go into too much detail or granularity within each of the different grants, but just as a bit of an overview as to where some of that funding has gone. Um, I've got in here, oh, another one. Sorry, I'm sort of jumping all over the place for a second, there was uh, a few grants that I also wanted to talk to that were less those priority areas, but I think it's still industry specific for the people on this call today. Um, so that's the accelerating commercialization grant that I mentioned earlier, because again, innovation covers all industry sectors. So just sort of a heads up for those listeners on the call today, this is another grant that's available year on year. Uh, and basically what it provides is expert advice for a commercialization, an innovative product that you are ready to go to market with. So they help you with your commercialization planning. Essentially, it's the advice around that, uh, as well as 50% um, of funding to help you commercialize that project. So that's something to keep in mind for anyone out there that does have a product that might be ready to go to market. Um, at the moment, there is also the business events grant that is open. It closes at the end of March. And essentially, whether we've got any people that are wanting to run an event, great idea to get, and you are in those priority sectors, which obviously sustainability and recycling and food innovation is as well. Um, get your event registered as an eligible business event because that will entice people to come to your event. Why will it entice them? Because um, if you are attending an eligible business event, you get back 50% of what you spend attending, promoting, flying to accommodation, putting together a booth, all of those costs associated with attending the event. Um, the reason that they're doing this is because it's basically industry matchmaking, so to speak. So they want Australian companies to be meeting, networking, business to business relationships. Um, how can we beneficially help each other out within these specific sectors? Uh, and that's why that funding has been awarded there. Um, On to the sort of the big ones being the manufacturing and recycling type areas. You've probably all heard in the media the, the $2 billion baby, which is essentially the manufacturer, which goes towards the manufacturing industry. Of course, within manufacturing, there's sustainability. Again, it's um, 
not necessarily it's not specific to sustainability but sustainability and recycling is one of the priority areas um so uh, as I mentioned earlier, round one has closed, but this is a three-year grant. So this is running until June 2023, the Manufacturing Modernisation Grant that's coming out of that $2 billion baby. Um, and essentially what the government is doing there is they're funding up to a million dollars, 25% of a project that is making Australia more competitive in the manufacturing space for those priority sectors. Um, and so I'm getting distracted by the questions popping up. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically that's 25% of funding up to a million dollars for capital work and invest investment, equipment upgrades or upskilling staff, up upgrading software in the manufacturing space. So that might be of relevance. Round two was just closed. There will likely be another round later in this year. Keep an eye out um, because it is ongoing until 2023, until all that funding is absorbed. Um, some other areas, um, uh, ARENA received, uh, sorry, ARENA stands for the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, and they have received $1.4 billion in additional funding. Thank you to the budget. Uh, and sort of three main programs that I'll mention within ARENA is the Advancing Renewables Program. So that is 50% of funding up to $50 million for projects, um, pre-commercial projects, in the, in the low emission technology kind of area. So we're looking at clean, clean hydrogen, energy storage, low carbon materials, reducing soil carbon, um, sort of in that area. Uh, so that's another good one for any uh, innovation companies out there in that sort of space. Uh, the main outcomes they're looking at for that um, advancing, advancing renewables program is to create jobs lower household living expenses and to compete with the rest of the world in that space. Uh, so if you're a solar panel company or, you know, a, um, a car battery company, but you're not lowering the cost, lower the, lowering the accessibility of those projects to the public market, no point applying. But if you are sort of creating jobs or lowering the cost to society, then that could be a good one. Uh, there's also the Innovation Fund, which is basically um, funding innovation companies that are ready for early stage seed or growth capital to help them go to the next stage. There's 200 million in funding there. And then there is the Future Fuels Fund that is about to open. It says it's opening in Feb. So any day now we should get some more information around that Future Fuels Fund, which is basically to support new vehicle technologies such as um, hydrogen, electric, biofuel vehicles and infrastructure to uh, develop those. Um, then we have the Clean Energy Finance Corp, uh, which basically works to deliver financial solutions to increase the flow of funds into the clean energy sector. This is a bit of a large one, though. They're sort of looking at investing $20 million into any singular project that, um, that needs the funding. So that might that's quite a big one there. Um, any massive projects that are out there, though, keep that one in mind. If you need the funding, there's you know, up to $20 million for grabs for any one applicant. Um, there's the Emissions Reduction Fund, um, which is basically the uh, carbon credit system. So basically for however many, um, uh, what's the word? It's basically the carbon abatement project where if you are um, reducing your tonnage of carbon or being able to store that carbon, uh, you can then sell 
those credits that you receive for each tonnage either not used or held in storage, you can sell it to the government or to a secondary market. So that's helping Australia reach its uh, 2030 emissions goals through that one. Uh, and then a few quick ones, there's the Remote Communities Reliability Fund, which is basically making rural areas um, have better cost-effective energy supply out there. Uh, and then the Recycling Modernisation, oh, sorry, and then the Recycling Modernisation Fund is where we jump into, so there was $190 million uh, allocated by the budget to modernising our recycling technology. That has then been distributed on a statewide level. So I'm aware that you had um, Sustainability Victoria on this morning, which is obviously where Victoria's funding from that modernisation fund has gone. Um, so that's gone into the Circular Economy Business Innovation Centre. I might just brush over it, could be a good refresher. Um, I know that it was spoken about this morning, but obviously there's the identification, implementation and innovation grants within the Business Support Fund run out of Recycling Victoria. They're closing soon, which is the reason why I want to bring it up quickly again. Um, 12th and 15th of March, they close. So if that was of interest to you earlier today, let this be a reminder to you now. Start looking into that. Um, some other areas within Victoria, because we're here, I have a bit more knowledge about Victoria, but um, there's the Recycling Victoria Councils Fund, which is sort of going toward sort of the Alpine resort management kind of areas, uh, basically for them to reduce their wastage to landfill. Uh, that closes on the 19th of March. Um, and then there's the Recycling Victoria Communities Fund. So if you are a not-for-profit or a community group or a social enterprise that supports community-based projects to empower the community to reduce waste and what's going to landfill, uh, that also closes in March. Um, and then there is the Infrastructure Fund, which is already closed, uh, although, again, if all that funding that came out of the Recycling Modernisation Fund has not been swallowed up in round one, there will likely be a round two. And that's basically looking at projects that are looking to reduce hazardous waste or recycle um, common waste materials such as paper, glass and, and plastics. Uh, and then a few quick ones, if I'm not boring everyone too much, <laughs> um, just quickly to run over some other statewide ones, just if it sparks any interest. There's the Victorian Energy Saver, which basically gives discounted energy saving products for businesses um, to better for commercial buildings. Then within Queensland, there's the Business Energy Savers Program, which is free energy audits. There's the Regional Recycling Transport Assistance Package, again, diverting waste to landfill, common theme here. <laughs> and then within New South Wales, there's uh, an environmental upgrade agreement, which is providing loans for up to 15 years for commercial buildings to upgrade for better energy efficiency. Uh, and the Remanufacture New South Wales, which is looking to maximise recycling and reuse activities for materials so that they, um, this is basically because we can no longer send our rubbish to China. <laughs> we need to recycle all this stuff because <laughs> there's nowhere else to put it. Um, yeah, and then another grant that I will just quickly mention that isn't so much an outcome of the budget, but is now ongoing for longer 
thanks to the budget, this is more of an outcome because of COVID is the instant asset write-off. So if you aren't in any of those priority sectors or if you've missed, missed out on the um, manufacturing modernization fund and you can't wait for the next round, because again, as I said, don't start a project before you get that grant agreement or it will be ineligible. Um, Good to know that you have up to $150,000 that you can write off for an asset that is installed ready for use by the end of June this year. Um, and that's obviously increased from what the write-off used to be, which was just 30 grand. So another thing to keep in your back pocket if you are looking at a big capital investment. Yeah. Oh, and just a quick example. Uh, I did have a client that was successful in the recycling infrastructure fund. And just an example of what they're doing. Um, again, this was the one that was reducing materials going to landfill. And what our client is do, looking into is developing and extending their equipment in order to um, recover waste glass, which is a, a big, big problem in Australia. In, in fact, it's quite funny. Um, in the council that I'm in, I don't actually have a separate recycling bin for glass, but apparently there are a lot of councils that do provide, I think it's like a yellow bin or something. You know, we're just not set up for proper um, recycling within households enabled for these um, recycling companies that take all our rubbish and waste to then be able to process, process them appropriately. Um, anyway, but we're getting there and that's what all this funding is for. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Millie, I feel like you Probably need- information overload, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel like you need to have a sip of water because that was epic. There's- I can. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing how much money there is out there for this kind of stuff. So that was really, you know, what I want to make sure that people understand is if you are even thinking about this, now is the time to be, you know, looking at what equipment, what kind of new innovations you might be interested in because there's money available for it. So um, that's that's brilliant. Um, we are going to run a little bit short on time, but if anyone does have any questions, be sure to pop them in the box because you probably don't always have this fabulous brain at your disposal. Um, but for the meantime, Millie, what would you say is your number one piece of advice with all of these different grants and things going on, trying to focus in, um, and how can a business tap into these grants to support any new investments this year? Sure. I guess um, my number one piece of advice is really just to be aware of the grants that are available because if you're not aware of it, you miss it. And that money wasted that you could have had to invest in your projects to help, you know, whether it doubles the funding that you can then spend on your project to make it bigger and better or whatnot. So yeah, essentially just be aware um, of the funding so that it doesn't pass you by but sort of a flow on from that is if you've got a project that's about to start look up the grants that are available before you start that project uh, and when applying make sure that you've got all your supporting documents budget project plan letter of support in place and or to make it really easy get a grants consultant involved that does all the work for you <laughs> brilliant perfect thank you um now and also uh you meant there's i understand that you have a fabulous resource available on your website to help a bit with that can you tell us about that oh yep sure so um 
basically, and I've provided Sarah with the link to our grants and incentives page within the Blue Rock website. Uh, we have very obvious divisions there of R&D, EMDG, ESIC, and then other grants. Um, those that were interested in the R&D incentive within, firstly, we run through at a high level uh, and even in more detail, actually, than what I may have quickly run through today, the eligibility of those three main grant categories, obviously other grants are revolving so much. We are offering um, for anyone who mentions that they were part of this sustainability summit today, we will do a free grants assessment for you. Um, so basically that's that grant search that I mentioned at the start that we do tailored towards our clients and what grants are available. But for those year on year funding grants, such as R&D, EMDG and the ESIC, uh, we do have a lot of information on our website and including for R&D, we have a free eligibility assessment. So you can fill in, you know, are you this sort of company? Have you got this sort of expenditure? Uh, and it will say yes or no, uh, whether or not you are um, eligible for the R&D incentive. So, yeah, to our website, I think, is a great um, source of information. And then, obviously, you all have my contact details and I'm part of the Facebook group as well, should any questions other than what we have the time for now uh, come out of this. Awesome. So those two things that you mentioned on the website, there's the eligibility assessment and then there's um, being able to contact for a free yes. assessment. So what were the, I, I have a grants and incentives links to your, link to your website. Is that where people can just like send a message? How, how do they access yeah. the free service? Um, so I'm pretty sure if you scroll down, there should be, there's a contact us that comes directly uh, to me. Um, Yep, so anyone puts in their email and a little note in there saying part of the Sustainability Summit, I know where you're coming from and thus can um, cater to your requirements. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. I'm pretty sure it's just scrolling to the bottom of that, that page. Yep. All right, awesome. Cool. Um, now, Matt has also just asked um, if your fees scale to the amount of the grant. Um, so, like, how, how does that work in terms of paying for a consultant to assist in that process? No, that is a great question. Um, so the way our fee system typically works is it's on a sliding scale. Obviously, if you're looking at a grant that is $2 million, we're going to put a cap on that because we can't be take, you know, if it was a 10, 10% success fee or something like that, we're not going to be taking $200,000 off you. So we, when I say, so what am I trying to say? Basically, grants are either more or less um involved obviously the more involved there is a level of work that is required on our behalf and so we might have a fixed fee a sliding scale of a fixed fee and a success fee portion that sort of fits within um, the requirements of the application as to the size of the grant you are looking for because you are looking for a large amount of funding we don't want to take that away from clients that are in need of that money so we are pretty um, open to discussions as to whether you want a higher fixed less success or a lower fixed fee higher success fee you know it depends on the level of risk that our clients are willing to take uh, and again, um, that fixed fee amount will just come down to the effort required for that particular application, not the amount of money being sought. Have I answered that clearly? I think so. Um, we'll see if, if Matt has any further um, comment. Um, and I'll just um, note also that Tanya has commented here that she's part of a project uh, that is a demonstration eco-village which involves sustainable building, universal access and 
it involves groovy, passionate women over 55, which I love. Um, so she's very excited. Well, women. Actually, I have to say that's another big priority sector as well is women in business. Definitely. And female founded and led businesses. Yep. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. That, no, that no. also gets me excited in the grant space. <laughs> yeah. Is that at a federal level as well? Yep. Yep. So there's the, I call it the BFF. <laughs> which I think is hilarious, but it's the Boosting Female Founders Program. I think there's another round that should be opening very soon, actually. Um, and again, actually, I should mention this because, again, it is not industry specific. It is basically a your female-founded business, um, then you are entitled to funding through this Boosting Female Founders Initiative. You basically just need to meet certain criteria, which is are you female-founded, are you majoritively, majoritively female-led, uh, and do you have an innovation project that is ready to scale? It's sort of helping that big scale up international or uh, international markets. So, yeah, there's another one for you. Because, again, innovation covers everything, so also relevant for sustainability and recycling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt has just clarified that I guess it was a lower-end grant, like a smaller um, dollar value. Mm. Because what are three-to-one match, which restricts small businesses' access, obviously, um so is do you often work in that smaller space it, yep so was that sorry grants of about 50k in size up to yeah so I think yeah. you, may, you may have looked at something even smaller like 20k which would perhaps make cons, uh, a fee for a consultant to be a little bit more difficult yeah so again typically those smaller grants are less involved in which case less man hours in order to get the right documentation together and fill out the application form so um, you know, like an example fee might be $500 um, as a fixed fee. And then upon success, it might be looking at four to 6%. Like that's sort of the scale there. So uh, depends on the involvement to write up the grant application and then the um, risk that the client wants to take, 506% or Call, and again, I'm just ballparking here, obviously, or it could be a grand 3%, sure. as an example. Yeah. So the risk that they want to take, obviously, we just need to, um, you know, the involvement involved, you know, if it's a 15-page document, $500 might not cut it. But if it's on a small grand that's about 20K, it might um, only be a three-page document, in which case we're happy to take on the risk of $500 to prepare uh, and then four to six success fee, if that helps. Yeah, I think that certainly makes it much more accessible to, to yeah. a small business looking at a lower level grants package. Yeah. Matt says thanks. No worries, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Millie. Um, I think a lot of people are amazed at the possibilities that are out there in terms of accessing all of this money. So thank you for bringing that to us. Um, and yeah, coming up with all kinds of ideas of how, where to put that money. Um, yeah, no so worries. I'll share those, um, those contact details, those links. So thank you so much for allowing, um, yeah, for providing that, um, free assessment to everyone. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, thank you so much for your time. No worries at all. Enjoy the rest of the summit, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Chat soon, Sarah. Bye. Yeah, bye.